0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Holiday, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And specifically, welcome to part two of Seasons of Doubt. In the last video, we ended by looking at at that amazing character, Zachariah. And um, we talked about how he and his wife had been chosen by God to be the parents of John the Baptist, a huge privilege. But we did meet Zachariah in his moment of doubt Poor guy, (laughs) but hopefully we learned that God still uses us in spite of our doubt, and that we are absolutely going to have seasons of doubt in our Christian life. Um, We even see from Psalm 126 that there are times that God rescues us, but then we also, even after that, are crying out again in another desert time because we need His help again. So this video is, um, I'm making this in hopes of helping you to learn how to work through your doubt. Knowing those seasons are going to come, not fighting them or necessarily thinking, you know, all is lost because you're doubting, but being able to work through those times as they come. And uh, there are a couple Psalms that I turn to pretty regularly in Seasons of Doubt. One's Psalm 37, one's Psalm 73, and so I was going back and forth trying to figure out which one I was going to go to, but I chose Psalm 73 for a couple reasons. One is because Asaph, who wrote Psalm 73, just lays out his lament at the beginning. <laughs> and I just love that, of course. I love that he gives, he gives all that time to it. But um, the other reason is because over this past year, you know, I shared before that I was really helped by watching Tim Mackey's um, Praying Through the Psalms series that you can find his videos on YouTube. Um, and he worked through this particular psalm. And it helped me so much. So I want to give props to him. Um, he comes at a different angle, and you know, so if you're in a real season of doubt right now, I encourage you to go watch his also. But um, but there's one thing that I gleaned from it, and it was the practical um, sort of four-step method that he get he gleaned from this. Basically, he just shows us that you can look at how a psalmist worked through their feelings. And sort of uh, use it as a guide to working through your own feelings and um, you know since simply holy is a practical guide I sort of have used this over the past year and I thought this could really help people but I want to make a clear distinction this is not a formula okay so I know that we can get uh, I grow weary of the formula type thing you know like three steps to happy kids you know or whatever ten steps to a fantastic family Um, those can grow old after a while, you know, just like, please don't try to give me more formulas. But I think having practical, a practical guide is different. I think looking at practicals that you can use at any time to help you work through things is very helpful. Um, and it's something that you can take with you through all the various stages of life. It's not a formula, it's a guide. And I liken it to the, um maybe this will help. I have a keurig machine as I'm sure most of you do also. and um, it is great. It works it works well. Uh, most of the time it works well. But then every once in a while, it'll stop working, and I will go. What is going on? What's what's wrong with it again? And I know in my head, wait, I know this problem. I've dealt with this problem before, but I can't remember how to deal with it. So I have to go and get the manual out, and I have to look at it again, and go, oh yeah, you have to flip this thing and take this out, and then you have to clean this little thing, and then. It, lo and behold, it works again, but I couldn't remember how to do it. And there's times in life where you have actually worked through things before, but you can't remember, how did I get through that? And I'm hoping today with these four steps that um, Tim Mackey turned me on to, that it will help you. It'll be something that you can kind of put in your pocket and that you can pull out whenever you need it to deal with these seasons of doubt, which come and go. Okay, so we're going to start off today just by reading through Psalm 73 together um, or listening as you're driving or putting on your makeup or whatever it is that you're doing, and then we're going to go back and look through it. So I'm reading from the NLT in Psalm 73. It says, truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. I could totally relate. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper, despite their wickedness. They seem to have such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They, they're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask. Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but that what a difficult task it is. Then... And if you have your Bible open, you should always circle a then or put a box around it or something because you're getting ready to have an answer. It says, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they're destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Here's another then. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet, and I have that circled, I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My heart may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do do okay so let's go back to the beginning of this truly God is good to Israel let's just let's just start where he starts how does he start you know he starts with belief he states a truth a statement a universal truth which he knows is true truly God is good to Israel to those whose hearts are pure so he starts with a belief, and I think that this is really important for us to note, that you can't have doubt unless you are a believer to begin with. <laughs> if, you, if you're not a believer, there's no, there's no reason to doubt. It, life is random, it all just works out the way it ever it's supposed to, you know, whatever happens, it's all random. There is no higher power creating anything. There's no creator, so there's nothing to doubt. So take heart that if you are in a season of doubt it's because you are a true believer. You know that you know that you know that there's a creator, that there's an organization to the universe, that there is some god, that there is a god who holds the world in his hand, and something is amiss because something that we have seen, we're going to see has has made you to has caused you to doubt that. So I just thought I'd start with that that's sort of a good news, okay? So we need to get back to that belief. Start with, no, I am a believer. Something's off. Something is off, but the truth never fails. So I'm going to go get back to the truth. But what happens to him? He says, but, and here's that but, as for me, and he sort of makes this distinction, like I can tell that the pure heart of God is blessing them and And it's good, and I can actually remember when I had this sort of pure heart and, and, uh, and that God was, you know, true to me, and I believed. But something's happened. I started slipping. I've almost lost my footing. I was almost gone. And you know you can feel that way. That is a terrifying feeling when you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm starting to doubt. Am I losing my faith? And that is a scary moment. Let it be scary. Like, no, God, I can't lose my faith. But where did it all start? He says, but as for me, I'd almost lose my footing. My footing for I, because I, you can put a because in there, because I envied the proud. And what caused that? When I saw them prosper. You know, something that he saw caused him to start doubting it was an experience and i think that this first step which which i've uh, tim mackey called deconstructing your doubt i thought that was so good you have to deconstruct your doubt you have to go back and go when did this start it didn't start by reading some scientific treatise about the creation of the world or some scientific journal or um, hearing new information for the first time um, we live in the information age we it's not some new information that we've gotten it is always an experience that we've had it is at least something that we've seen coupled with something that we've read coupled with something that we've felt even if we get to college and we learn some new information it's never in a vacuum it's not like i I discovered it. it is always an experiential feeling i experienced this you know i saw this professor but then i experienced this at church and then Satan worked it all together, all of these experiences, things that I've seen and things that I've felt working together to cause me to doubt. And in this situation, he even deconstructs it down to, actually, I just flat out envied. (laughs) And he takes it all the way back to a sin that crept up in his heart. We have to go back and go, where did this begin for me? what has crept into my heart? What is the experience I've had? It's never cerebral alone. It's always experiential. And look, it's what he saw. And I think, we don't know what he saw. What is the experience this guy had? I don't know. This, in this particular instance, he's looking at the world, and we've all done this, where we look out at the world and we're like, what the heck? <laughs> why are these people prospering? You know, what, what, you know, you're in high school and you're looking around. You're like, here I am trying to be pure. I'm trying not to gossip. I'm trying to keep my mind and my, my the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart pure. And But here's all these people. They're gossiping. They're sleeping around. They're doing all that cuss all the time. And they're popular. What the heck? You know, why are they popular when it seems like they shouldn't be popular because they're mean, And they're thinking mean thoughts and they're spreading, you know, lies and slander and gossip. And here I am trying to be pure and yeah, I'm nothing. You know, that can make you doubt, you know, is God really good? Because it doesn't feel good. Or you can look around, even they're looking outside. We can look around at the job. You know, here I am, I'm trying not to lie, I'm trying not to cook the books, I'm trying to be honest with the you know, but look at all these people, they're lying, they're 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 doing things that are improper, that are wrong, that are against the law, and yet they prosper, they're rich. What is going on? And here I am. I'm like, no, I'm going to dedicate my life to God and, and I'm going to set aside Sundays. Of course I could get ahead if I worked 12 hours a day and seven days a week. Of course I could get ahead. But get ahead at what? We'll talk about that later. But you look at and you go, man, maybe I've just been crazy trusting God all this time. And there's those experiences where you look at the world and you think, they've got something I don't and I what, what have I been doing over here? But then there's also times where you can look around even in the kingdom and it can make you start to doubt. Wait a second, what is going on around here? Like, why? wait, what? what's going on? And you can start to look, this isn't turning out the way that I thought. This doesn't look like what I thought it should. Or I've, I thought I was raising my family and I thought we were living by the Bible, but, you know, maybe I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, because the, my kids certainly aren't turning out the way that I thought that they were going to or whatever. You know, or maybe you're a kid in the kingdom and you're looking at your parents and you're going, wait, I don't think it should look this way, you know. And what you're seeing does not line up with what you've always believed. That is doubt. But we know that the Bible says in Hebrews that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So somewhere in here we know we cannot go by what we see. We have to deconstruct our doubt and go, what am I seeing that is causing me not to believe? Let me go back and deconstruct that. And has that led somewhere? Has that led to a sin? You know, here the psalmist even, he starts to argue his point. I mean, he takes 10, from verse 4 to verse 14, he is like stating the facts. They're like this and this, and I saw this and I saw that. And look at them, God, that's not fair. What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, he even takes all the time to lay out his lament to God. And I think that this is a very important thing to do. God, look at that. Don't you see that? Where are you? Can't you see what's going on? This is totally wrong and he lays out his lament. This is an important thing for us to note. How can we do that? We need to sort of lay out our lament and be honest about it and go, I don't, this does not add up to me. (laughs) And thank God we don't really know what his experience is because that way it applies to all of us. We can still do this for ourselves. We can deconstruct our own doubt we need to acknowledge this experience and we also need to acknowledge where it's led. Where has it led in our heart? How far has it gone? Has our envy then led to an assumption and a conclusion? Um, Have we drawn some sort of conclusion about the nature of God or has it led to gossip? Has it led to slander? Has it led to bitterness? Has it led to resentment? Where has this trail led to? So number one, we deconstruct this doubt. But then what happens, you know, in down in verse, uh, we have our first then, right? It says then in verse 17. But I want to talk about something before we go into the then. He says this really, really powerful thing in verse 15. He says, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. Okay. He says, he he's talking about how, you know, I didn't feel comfortable exactly talking about this to everybody you know when we have these times of doubt we need to go to god we need to lay it out like this but there's a time for us to acknowledge like i'm not sure i should talk about this to everybody (laughs) maybe this shouldn't be a topic for everybody because i'm afraid of hurting their faith And I think this is a real thing that we need to, we need to take note of, that he's careful not to talk about it to just anybody. And I think that needs to be instructive to us and go, who could really help me with this? Who are other people I know that are very faithful, that have made it through these times and maybe even gone through this specific thing that I'm going through? Who can help me get to the other side? Who is a Jonathan so to speak, in the Bible that I can go to as the David. Who, could, who can help me find my faith in God? Who is this not going to rock? That can be difficult at times. Um, but we need to acknowledge that. And then, though, it says, <laughs> this is another thing that's tricky, is he said, so then I tried to figure it out for myself. And then he starts thinking and thinking and thinking. And he goes, I tried to figure out why all these wicked people prosper, but what a difficult task it was, you know. Um, it, you could drive you crazy to try to figure it. You'll never think yourself out. You'll, you will never think yourself out of your own doubt. Um, and I think that's important. So he tried to get to that point. I'm thinking, 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 thinking. Actually, if you think too much, it can just lead you straight away. And this is what people do a lot. Is instead of entering into the sanctuary, which is the next thing that it says, number two. And this is step two. He says, then I went into your sanctuary. And, you know instead of instead of going away people will oftentimes in their doubt they'll take a step away well i need to take a step away i need to step out you know just need i need some time to think i need some time to think i warn you i caution you don't go away from the kingdom here it says i entered into your sanctuary what does that mean i don't know exactly what that means but what can we picture is going on there singing praying um praising talking confessing um, all the things that are associated with God and His kingdom. You need to take a step into that, not a step away from that. We step into His kingdom so that we can get the help that we need. And that may or may not necessarily look like um, uh, you know a, a particular person helping you. But something about that arena is going to help you, and I've seen too many people shipwreck their faith by taking a step away. When you have doubts, this is a time to lean in. You know, I'll get with people, and they're 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 so shaken by their their doubts, whatever's going on. I'm like, okay, so so what 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 are you reading right now? Well, nothing. You know, well, what, what is what is God telling you in your quiet times? Well, I haven't I haven't really been having them. <laughs> And I'm like, well, that is a problem. You are not going to find your answers outside of God and his sanctuary. And actually, it can mean entering into a sanctuary where something supernatural that I cannot explain happens. I don't know why. I don't know why when you surround yourself with the kingdom and you enter in and you just go, I'm going to get into the middle of the pack. I don't know why God is able to speak to us in ways that we can't speak to ourselves. All I know is that he is God. And when we lean into him, and we the, he walked into the, the sanctuary, when we walk into the sanctuary, when we enter into the sanctuary, that God is able to do something miraculous. And he's able to change us. During these times of doubt, do not pull away. Enter in. Lean in. Enter into the sanctuary. You know, because Satan is trying to get you to think, you know, that, This is when we get all these doubts. You know, well, organized religion just doesn't work, especially if you're having your doubts because of things that you've seen inside the kingdom, so to speak, inside the church. You can want to pull away, but I can guarantee you the answers aren't outside the church. I know it's painful. I know it's difficult, but I can guarantee you that the only answers are going to be found inside the church and working it through um, the organized religion that Satan is trying to get you to step away from. And sometimes he can tell you, you just need a moment. I've seen, you know, I just need to step back for a moment, for a moment. I I have seen those moments turn into days, into weeks, and into years, and into destruction. And so I would encourage you to lean in. We're oftentimes drawn to the wrong conclusions when we're not around God, when we're not singing, when we're not praying, when we're not confessing, when we're not praising with the body. Um... You know, I think that also this can this can look like different things. When we have seasons of doubt, we need to give God even more time. I remember during my own first serious season of doubt, which was when I I was it was pre CR. I hadn't I hadn't figured out that I was um, that I had you know a, you know certain addictive tendencies, I hadn't figured that out yet. And so I was having this huge amount of doubt. I thought, am I falling away? Am I getting a divorce? Where am I? I don't know what I am. Who am I? Am I a disciple? I don't know what I am. And I can remember just going, I don't know what's going on, but I gotta get with God. And I would go to the mountains every single day. Thank God for a husband that allowed me the time to do this and the space in life, but I would get up very, very early. Because it was the only time i had i had a little baby i had a one-year-old so you don't get a lot of time when you have a one-year-old and i was like i gotta get out of here so at five o'clock in the morning i would just go to the mountains and i would i would be able to stay until about eight <laughs> and i would just work through my stuff and i discovered cr during that time and i started writing a journal and i would just force myself to hike and talk with god and think god what is reality you are reality all this stuff that's giving me confusion is not reality. You are reality. So that was my sanctuary, was that time with God in his Bible. It wasn't that I stopped going to church. Of course, I still went to church, but I needed more than that. I needed that excessive time with God, more time with God, more prayer. Um, There's been times lately over this past year, I've really been able to immerse myself just going, oh, I've got to I've got to cut back my schedule as much as I possibly can. There's certain things you can't get out of it as a parent. You've got to still do things. and um, But I, you know, really taking that time to sabbatical to, to be with God. Um, sometimes in the middle of the night, I will just turn on the audio Bible and I will just let it go. I may be not able to pray. I can't form a coherent thought, but I can just listen and I can let the word sort of lull me back to sleep, that sort of entering into a sanctuary in the in, in, in the middle of the night. Or another practice that I've picked up is just having nightly worship, where, you know, it used to be I would, um, you know, sometimes we can have that tendency to check out and um, uh, that can be through Netflix, it can be through any numbing mechanism that we have, uh, a, gla- a glass of wine, which there's nothing wrong with a glass of wine unless we're can- habitually using it to just sort of numb ourselves and check out, or it can be other things that we um, check out to. but I have no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing, I'm going to praise, I'm going to play my violin. I know not everybody can play the violin, but I'm going to, and not everybody is married to a world-class pianist, but um, nightly worship has help me to reset myself, or praying on my knees at um, right after I put the kids to bed, right right after that time, that eight o'clock time, or having a Bible study with somebody, inviting somebody over for a prayer walk, something to immerse myself even more in my dependence on God and, and getting away from any of that numbing at night, entering into the sanctuary at night. You know, giving God our night time—that's that's a that's a whole lesson in itself. But giving God our night—that that I will just say—that's a way to enter into the sanctuary without going to a physical church service. It's not just a church service. It's not minus, but it's not just. It's plus. We have to enter into that sanctuary and let God do that miraculous thing. Because what happens after that? First, He deconstructs his doubt that he enters into the sanctuary and he and then the third thing is God changes his perspective. We let God change our perspective. We have a shift because the next thing it says is he says then I went into your sanctuary o God and I finally understood because <laughs> he'd been trying to figure it out himself this whole time and now he finally understands. And God shifts him, shifts his perspective. And it's kind of like Asaph goes, oh, yeah, I forgot. And we do. We forget because what we can see is very powerful. We are very convinced by what we can see. Here's a phenomenon for you. Um, we talk a lot about in music circles is that people listen with their eyes. And I know that sounds wrong. We think, no, 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 I listen with my ears. No, no, no. A lot of time when you go to a concert, what you see, if the person looks confident, if it looks like what's supposed to be happening, you actually think it sounds good. <laughs> and it may be, maybe they're not playing all, those, all the right notes. I teach my students this all the time. You just keep playing, baby. If you made a mistake, you just keep playing because the audience sometimes doesn't even know you made a mistake if you just act like you didn't make one. <laughs> and it really is true. People listen with their eyes. And that is a concept spiritually that what we see is very powerful. Sometimes we need to close our eyes and go, I'm going with what God says, not not based on what I see. It's the whole Yoda thing, you know, close your eyes, feel the force. (laughs) I'm not a big Star Wars thing, but I do remember that. Feel the force, Uh, you know, close your eyes and let the force lead you. It's really kind of that way. We have to shift our perspective and go, I know it looks like this, but that is not the reality. I know what the Bible says about wickedness, and I know that right now it looks like these people are prospering. I know it looks like right now that this is unfixable, whatever it is in your life. I know it looks like now that this may not gonna, this is not gonna work out. But I know what God says, and I'm going with what God says, regardless of what I see. See, God changes his perspective. I had this conversation with my daughter the other day. Um, we were reading. And the advent thing for that day was just talking about going out and finding somebody, you know, who's left out or lonely and loving the unlovable, loving the lonely. And she was like, yeah, nobody's lonely really at my school. <laughs> and I said, I said, really? She goes, no, everybody's included. Everybody's, you know, everybody, you know, we don't have that kind of cliquish thing. I was like, oh, great. I said, well, you know, be careful because what it, looking at things from the outside sometimes it can be deceiving and people can look like they're all good and inside they're heartbroken and you don't really know what's going on with them she was like okay but she was pretty confident that you know nobody is really lonely and then uh, she came back uh, that day actually I think it was that day and she was talking about her friend and something had happened and she goes well you know my friend she kind of, she she uh, she's one of those cutters she she cuts herself and she you know she was telling me this very deep thing that she had discovered that she that she knew about her friend and I was like oh she must be really hurting inside you know if she's hurting herself she must be hurting inside maybe she's lonely maybe she's afraid she was like yeah and I was like remember when you felt like that people looked like they were all good and not lonely, but see what's down inside is very different. And she was able to see, wow, no matter what it looks like on the outside, people are still hurting on the inside. God shifted her perspective. He shifts our perspective and he helps us to remember that what we see is not what is always underneath. And so in this time, after he enters into the sanctuary, God changes his perspective and you're able to remember You're able to remember, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. This is what the the Bible says. And then even inside of that perspective shift, you go, oh, yeah, don't go by what you can see. You also start to get in touch with where your heart is in that. He says, then I realized my heart was bitter. And I totally relate to this because, you know, it's, It's so, it's almost embarrassing the number of times, and it is embarrassing, the number of times that I just give up on God at the last minute and I realize, oh, why did I give in again? Why did I do that again? I was faithful. I was believing. I was trusting. And yet at the end, I was like, gave up, you know, that's it. And I always have my that's it moment where I'm like, that's it. This is too much. This, you know, that's it. I can't do this anymore. And I give up on God. And then I have to come back and go, God, I'm so sorry. Why did I give up on you? He says, then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. And that moment when you're like, God, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I gave up again. I don't know why I I just get bitter. I get resentful. I it doesn't look like what I think it should look like. And I start to doubt you and I just I just can't believe that you know i've done it again and that's what happens to the psalmist we got to get to that point where like i'm you know yeah god i'm so sorry please forgive me help me to get back um and move past embarrassment to humility and this has been an active practice for me over these past 70 days thank god or it's not 70 days so far however many days it's been um really trying to go back and go okay if what would be the humble response in this situation? Moving past embarrassment, which is really a, um, a little bit an evidence of a pride that's been hurt, and getting back to humility in your heart. So we let God shift our perspective. And then the fourth thing is um, finding his presence. Because in this next sentence, he says, yet, even in that, even in the fact that I doubted, Even in the fact that I, you know, I'm wrong, I realize now I'm wrong. Um, It was wrong of me to despair. Even when we realize that, um, even in all of that, God's never left. God has always been there. It says, Yet I still belong to you. You've been there all along. You hold my hand. You guide me with your counsel. You're leading me with a glorious destiny. Um, And You know, this is that picture. We've got to find God in our doubt. We have to find His presence even when we feel His absence. We find His presence when we feel His absence. We have to tell ourselves, God is never absent, so I am wrong. I'm the one that's wrong, I'm the one that's moved. God has not moved and God is not wrong. I have to find his presence. And the, something, a visual that I got when uh, listening to Tim's lesson was that as I am working this out, am on my knees, I'm in the garden of Gethsemane, uh, Jesus is with me. Jesus is right next to me on his knees working this out with me. He has not left me. So it really comforts me to go, Jesus was, I he, I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but in a way, doubting his own ability to go through, go to the cross. When he said, God, I don't want to go. I don't want to go, but not my will, but yours. And I have to, it's, it's almost like I'm saying those words, God, this doesn't, I don't get it. I can't, I don't know. I get it. I, but I know you're with me and this is where we find he is our strength and this is, this is underlined, circled, highlighted, everything in my Bible. My, my health may fail and fail and my spirit may grow weak, you know, my heart and flesh may fail (laughs) and I cry out because I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't be faithful. I can't, I can't make it. But you are the strength of my heart. My God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. God, it's always been that God is the one that works in us. Always. It's always been his strength. You were only fooled into thinking it was your strength to begin with. Because we've been so mistaught by willpower. It's not willpower. It's not self-esteem. It's God-esteem. It's God's power. It is the spirit that works and lives in our hearts. It's never been our own strength. God is the strength of my heart. Any strength that I show, any power that I have, anything that you see in me, this, isn't this what Paul said? Anything you see in me, follow it, imitate it, because it is God. If you see anything good in me, it is God that put it in there. You know, I'm I'm nothing. <laughs> I am nothing. Good grief, people. Please don't be like me. Be like the God that you see in me. If you could see how weak I am, every single day I'm working myself out of self, (laughs) out of my own thoughts, out of my resentment, out of my bitterness, out of my failure, out of my fear, out of my doubt, we're continually working our way out of that. You know, I have found that th- during this season of my life, I do that repeatedly. At uh, usually, when I wake up, you know that I'm a person that I had to. I I've taught myself to go. God, thank you, thank you, Thy breath in my lungs. Thank you that I have hot water in my shower, soap to clean my body, shampoo, face up. Uh, you know, all this stuff, all the stuff we we tend to take for granted. I have a sh- I have a bath mat. I have a clean towel. Thank you, God. And I worked my way out of that. But there's a new thing that I've had to work my way through during this season. And that is doubt. Every day having to go, but God, I trust in you. I don't see what's coming. I, I don't have to. I don't need to see it. I don't need to know how. I just need to believe in you. God, help me to work myself back. And, and, and remember that it is you that is my strength anyway you are my strength help me not to go on my own power help me not to at when i am weak then i am strong help me to stay weak so that you can be strong so i'm not going on my own power anyway it always runs out god show me your strength and so we remember that god is our strength we find his presence when we feel his absence that's step four and what do we get from this at the end of the day it says but as for me how good is it to be near God cuz he's talking about you know those who basically he said those who desert you will perish you know yeah you can you could leave God you could let your doubts Take you away from God. You could let your doubts lead you away from his kingdom. You see things aren't the way that you think that they should be. Your life is not working out the way it should. The kingdom doesn't look the way that it should. My church isn't this. It's not that. You could let you could let it lead you away from God, but it will lead to destruction. But as for me, it is good to be near God. And this is a lesson. Let your doubt draw you to God. Let it draw you near to God. Be okay that you have it. Be okay that you have this weakness. I've said this before, but for years I was like, pray that God, you know, I just don't want to have to worry about food, you know, because I was an overeater. I am a person that turns to food for comfort. I'm a person that turns to food instead of God. If you wanna call it an addiction, call it an addiction. It doesn't have to be. It is a stronghold. You wanna call it a stronghold, call it a stronghold. But for me, it's an idol. I bow down to it, I worship it. And I pray, God, take that away. I just wanna be a normal person, I wanna be a thin eater, someone that doesn't think about food. We all know there's people that don't think about food. And I wanted to be that. But then I started realizing, what am I saying? Am I saying, God, take away the thing that makes me rely on you? Take away that thing that that causes me to struggle and have to rely on you because I just want to be self-sufficient. I just want to be able to rely on my own strength and my own power, my own goodness and my own righteousness. I stopped praying that. I was like, no, God, help me to be near you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. That is something that causes me to have to to beg God and to follow my knees and follow God and be near to Him because I can't do it on my own. Don't pray for God to take away the thing that makes you realize your need for Him. Be glad that you have it. And make my, he says, I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. If you're not in danger, you don't need a shelter. If you don't have a weakness, you don't need a, you don't need a Savior. So be okay with the fact that you have to make God your shelter and run to him. Run to God. Run to that shelter. And then I will tell everyone what the Lord has done for me. You know, I'm going to end with this story. I got together with a friend the other day, and uh, she was just relaying this story that brought me so much encouragement. She was talking about how she had um, had had this experience this year where someone had brought false accusations against her at work and she's a supervisor and so this person had you know um, sort of told on her to human uh, resources so HR had called uh, my friend and said you know we have a report that you did this this and that and she's like oh my gosh I didn't do that this is crazy these accusations are false but what do you do someone's brought these false accusations against you and whatever and she was freaking out in fear as we all do that's our first response it's okay people so we have this fear we're freaking out ah, what am I going to do but she was like okay I got to go to God. I got to trust God. I just got to give it up. I could lose my job over this, but I just got to go to God. So she goes to God and, you know, works through this. And this is, this is weeks. This is not just, you know, hours. It's not just days. It's weeks. It's hard. It's, it's a struggle. But in the end, she felt, she, you know, felt God basically saying, you know, pray for your enemies, pray for your enemies, bless those who curse you. And she started praying, That in this situation, that this woman would be blessed as well. Of course, she was praying for her own blessing. But she also prayed that this woman would be blessed. God, work this out to where this person is blessed through this experience. How can this work out where this person is victorious as well? Even though this person is slandering or falsely accusing me. And she did that. She was just experimenting. And I love this concept of just taking a practice from the Bible and experimenting with it. God says, this is the way to do it. I'm going to experiment with it. God says, I'm supposed to submit to my authority. God says, I'm supposed to obey my parents. God says, I'm supposed to pray for my enemies. God says, I'm supposed to, whatever. I'm going to experiment with them I'm going to see what happens. And so she did it. And she said, in the end, it was like this miraculous thing that happened because, um, what ended up happening was she was exonerated. My friend was exonerated because it, it, the truth came out that the this was not actually happening. So she kept her job. But what happened to the other person was, you know, this person what really what they were trying to do was just to get to be able to work from home <laughs> because they had children at home and they wanted to be able to work from home. And so they had been lying about this certain thing. But what the company did was they phased out that position that the that the employee had and they created a new position which ironically was strictly working from home. It didn't require any travel, didn't require them going out. And so this person in the end actually got a better job out of it. And so God blessed the entire situation. And it was just miraculous to hear. I just needed to hear that, that when you're doubting, when you don't know what's going to happen, when you just start these doubts over oh, KQ, okay, you know, God is faithful. And he will, he will save us if we just put into practice what we know to do. If we can use these practical things to be holy. And in the end, we get to tell everybody what God has done and it's it's a miraculous story and it encourages the next person's faith and then I get to share that story with you and then you get to share it with somebody else and they get to share it with somebody else and there's a million of those stories the next the next morning I got a text from somebody who had another miraculous thing happen in their life I can't you know I that I can't even go into but it's we got to encourage each other with these miraculous stories and tell everybody to tell everyone about the wonderful things that God does And I hope this helps you (laughs) to, to, number one, work through your own doubts. And number two, share your stories. Share your stories on Facebook. Share your stories with your small groups. Share your stories with anybody that you come into contact with. Until next time.